Hello, his name is Heston Blumenthal. Her name <laughs> is Jay Taylor. Oh no, again, just in case you thought he'd been smoking to me just then, <laughs> his name is Jay Taylor. And welcome back to... Pod and... Chips. Yes, Pod and Chips. <laughs> welcome back. That was quite On today's adventure into Heston's world, we'll be discovering why Heston has been getting all hot and bothered, stepping inside his head to discover his latest thinking on French vegetable sellers, plus a multi-sensory food experiment all about being mindful with our food. Just grab yourself a single raisin to join in. Chapter 1 how to buy your veg in France. Heston, hello again. It hello. is lovely to be once again back in your kitchen, surrounded, as always, by wonderful things. In France, we're back in Provence for another pod and chips, cracking open Heston's head and rummaging around inside it. Cra- yeah, I'm cracking open, yes. I just... Um I just cracked open a boiled egg from a local chicken. <laughs> so, yeah, but when you say cracking open, this is the beauty of imagination. I am in, in literally within a millisecond of you saying cracking open Hessen's head. I had the image of me as an egghead with glasses on and some big giant smacking a teaspoon over my head and thought, oh, I don't know if I actually want that. <laughs> but that's imagination. So cracking over my head, yes. And talking about uh, <coughs> eggs and things, I wanted to pick your brains out because as I was arriving here today, so Heston's um, house is out in the sticks of Provence. We were coming through the little French town and there was this shed by the roadside. And there's loads of French people pottering around there and there's like hatches, food hatches or something. What's it's going been- on? Basically, um, um, that roadside is a, is a roundabout with a supermarket on it. And there's a butcher next to it. And there's, literally imagine a panelled, wooden panelled garden shed that's about, I don't know, maybe 15 foot by five or six foot. And you go into it and there's a series. It's, it's like a, it's lockers, but they're glass fronted lockers. Mm. And behind each glass-fronted lockers are some veg. So there could be turnips, there could be lettuces or broccoli, or there could be mushrooms or could be fruit. And then there's a vending machine, which is actually bizarrely quite complex to use. It's a fruit and veg vending machine, sort of. Yes, somebody's come up with this idea, which I think is brilliant, that local farmers, if you just grow turnips or you just have eggs, you either have to have enough eggs to be able to supply enough people to get into the food chain and have trucks and lorries to deliver the systems to the supermarkets. But in fact, if you just have a little garden with some turnips and carrots and you mm. want to sell them, you give them to this company and they'll put them in the locker. Oh, so each locker was a different or potentially the, the, a different potentially person. a different person. Wow, that's clever. Isn't so it? you get rid of the the, the, the the restrictions or the problems created by transportation. We should do that back because you know when you're driving through, you know where I come from, Somerset, you see people like leave things out saying eggs, leave your money in the jar. But yeah. these, this would be great. Back it's home. the same as that. It's exactly the same as that. But this and and by putting it near um, a supermarket and more than one producer. Yeah. Are they, look, you've been over here for a long time now, but they really, it is different over here, isn't it, in terms of food and the appreciation of it. And even down to those things, you, the fact that people like that and it clearly works around here, 
and people want to go and get independent turnips from that because this is right mm. opposite the massive hypermarket as well it's yeah it is but when you say it's different around here i believe um that we've become we've romanticized france i love france and its history and gastronomy is one of the most important woven in well, one of the most important things woven into their culture but let's also embrace what's happened in the uk oh yeah yes we 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 have embraced because in in a funny way you know there's a new breed of people in the uk that i think because we haven't been told that if you're gonna you cannot eat spaghetti bolognese because in italy spaghetti and bolognese don't mix you don't eat spaghetti with bolognese why well, because spaghetti doesn't come from where Bologna is. So you have to have fettuccine or tagliatelle. Can you not get spaghetti on there? Oh, it's like ordering a cappuccino at lunchtime. There's rules and non rules. But <laughs> they then in, they interfere with creativity. So part of what's happening in the UK, we're going through an amazing food revolution where people are more interested to try things and kids are much more um, wanting to cook and have a go. You want to put Nutella with tuna? Not my suggestion, by the way, but it, <laughs> it could work. Have a go. It's not going to kill you. Have a go if you don't like it. Okay, you don't like it. What's the worst it's going to do to you? The worst it can do to you is give you the ability to, to, is give you the ability to discover, imagine, or think, or learn. Look, you must be kind of back in Britain, one of the sort of dons of the cookery world yet. But equally, you're in this strange, interesting position where you're also still in the vanguard, pushing forward, trying out new stuff constantly. And do you have you be, do you keep your tabs on it? Is there, an, is there a new wave or different waves of chefs coming through? Are there people more prepared to experiment across? I mean, what's the food world like at Britain? Um, it, well, it depends on what level. Uh, I'm talking the sort of the, 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 the kind of when top I, when, end. But when I say, you see... I don't even know what I mean. No, I can't answer that question. That's hard, isn't it? The question is too generic. It's too generic. And I suppose that's part of the complexity and beauty of food and eating is that at every level you can zoom into something and look at it under a microscope and then discover something new about it. But it's particularly not... I, I, I wish that we can all and hope that we can all... Yeah, view the objects, so money and language and food and all the things outside our body, view them as, yes, they can make a big difference to us. The most important thing is our interaction with these objects, our interaction with social media, our interaction with, I don't know, a, a McDonald's, our interaction with some foie gras, our interaction with some wilted spirulina, interaction with goji berry, interaction with the TV show. It's not the TV show. The TV show is there as an object and a catalyst, but the way that we interact with it is different. And the way that we interact with it a month later can also be different. If we change our beliefs or we discover new things about ourselves, we can go back and look at the same film or listen to the same piece of music with a new set of eyes. Isn't that exciting? Well, I have to say, you know, uh, and we should say this, unfortunately, this is the end of Pod and Chip's first series. This is our last episode, and it's interesting to look back on where we've been, and where I've certainly encountered over the past 10 episodes of sort of journeying into your head. You've genuinely changed my understanding of my own senses, and I think I look at things differently now. And I hope anyone out there who's been joining in with this, and uh, uh, this is probably a small I'd, slice I'd, of your I'd world. have to say, 
I've also done the same thing. Have you? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, and just hearing myself evolving. talking about this and discovering, you know, brushing a mop on your on your cheek or sticking something else on your head and going, right, pick that up with your left finger and now do this, <laughs> stand on one leg. It's, it's having a go. It's kids playing in the sandpit. It's leap of faith. It's like five go mad in Dorset, in Blyton. It's adventure, curiosity, inquisitiveness, discovery. This is what human beings have already, this is what human beings have always done. Chapter two, Heston gets all hot and bothered. Does temperature affect when you're eating food? If you go into a restaurant and it's the wrong temperature mm -hmm. or the right temperature, mm -hmm. do you work, because I know you obsess over the temperature of your food, but do you focus on the temperature of the room as well? Yeah, the contrast. So the, so the like point, the contrast, so the sense of touch on our skin of is relative so the te surface temperature of the skin because you walk into a room if you walk from one room that's hot to one room that's really cold you're gonna f you're the con it depends on the rate of the contrast there's one that people grow up with hot food and think steaming hot food is good so if their food is cold it's relative to them they won't like it but if you mix the perceived sweetness of an ice cream mix or it, when you warm the custard up it gets sweeter when you cool it down, the sugar, the perce perception of sugar changes. But how can you, if, if everyone's um, perception, e even not the food, the room itself, you must deal with averages because you have to make a room the right temperature for everyone because you can't contrast unless you change, I presume you've tried to change seat temperatures and stuff on your restaurants and things like that. Have you done that? Uh, yeah, in experiments, but not in the dark yet. But each table has its own lighting system. Explain so so you, can so you can change. So the moment the menu is a um, a map, <clears throat> and it's a day's holiday for me as a kid, and it goes from morning to night. So the light can change color, can change intensity, can change, and depending on how quick it changes, you won't notice um, the difference in if it went from night to day like that be contrast mm. but the sun rises and sets you notice when it's when it's dark but it's the contrast is is it comes before the senses optimum brain functioning temperature is 18.5 according to nature and scientific american and new scientists and various publications uh and so sleeping although sleep i think sleeping anyway, so will we put a hat on if we're cold we'll make our brains better if if uh if we put a hat on when we when Hang on a second. Let me just work that one out because I have, a, I have, a, I know this because I have a vested interest. I have a vested interest in this because I have my head's like a walking thermometer, and it's linked. I have a very busy head. I don't know how busy anyone else's head is, and a sweaty head. It's yes. The the brain is two percent of our body weight. Uh, two, well, the brain is two percent of our body weight. Twenty to twenty five percent of our blood. Um, occupier and 60% of our glucose. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> so when you go to the gym and you train, you get hot and you get sweaty. Yeah. So I, I, this has led me to wondering, why is my hair? I started walking around with a thermometer. And, <laughs> Did and, you? Yeah. And I can, I, I, what, in I, your can mouth? I can tell you the temperature, I th I th the temperature of a room without 
wind, like if it's not too windy and I've not been for a run or something like that, within, at one point it was within half a degree. I went on. What's did, this room? This now. Yeah. This now is about 21 degrees, 20.5, something like that. It's like the world's worst superpower. I, I found this source of little plastic fans that aren't expensive and there's some that you can put liquid in like water but I did it with like a, um, gin <laughs> I, did, I did try a Negroni in one but it clogged, <laughs> it, clogged it up and then those fans what would that have done giving you a mist of Negroni yeah amazing but it had sugar it, had sugar, it clogged it up so when you put the fan on you get, you get misting and I had one that I could put by the seat so I'm, it's okay if I get air then, then it makes a big difference and the humidity makes a big difference. Heston, I want to just pause briefly here to mention our sponsor, Harry's Razor. Um, and they very kindly sent us, uh, well, easily the nicest box of shaving kit I've ever had. Um, it's, uh, it's a nice little cardboard box you get through the post and in it you get a lovely can of foam, a razor and a little cover and it's all packaged up into a sort of really snazzy way. I have, uh, you know, we've shaved both of us for all of our lives and I've never had anything quite as nice as this. It's like having a, having a little present. Um, and we wanted to share this with all of our lovely listeners on Pod and Chips because Harry's given us a special offer for you guys. All you have to do is go to harrys.com forward slash Heston. Uh, a bit of backstory for you guys for decades. Um, Big razor companies, as we all know, have been uh, increasing prices. Well, there's these two guys called Jeff and Andy, and they were fed up with getting ripped off. So they started a company called Harry, Harry's, where they built their own factory and take less profit, sell directly over the internet, and uh, offer their blades at half price to the things we'd normally buy on the high street. Uh, the, the razors are great. They're everything you expect. They've got a you know weighted ergonomic handle. Uh, I think that just means a handle you can hold on to. Uh, five blades, a rich lathering shave gel. Uh, which is basically just a shave gel, but it's a really nice one that smells good. And a travel blade cover, in case you go travelling and you want to cover your blades. Uh, but don't take our word for it. Get amongst it and, and, and get yourself one of these nice little boxes, because it is a little bit of present to come through the post in uh, bleak early 2019. Uh, so get, get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for just £3.95. Uh, and you can support our podcast along the way. So you get your razor handle, uh, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash Heston right now. Well, you don't have to do it right now. You can do it tomorrow if you like, but that would be great if you could. harrys.com forward slash Heston right now back on with the show and a multi-sensory food experiment all about training your mind to appreciate food in a whole new way. Just grab yourself a single raisin and let Heston experiment on your mind. You've become so safe with food that we take it for granted. So if we cherish what we eat, there's a, there's a thing that's it's very kind of cool and trendy, in, but it does work, called mindfulness. So we're being mindful of what we're doing. So right now, your arms, you're looking at me, your arms are crossed, but now feel the back of your fingers against the other hand. Yeah. You focus your attention on a different area. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, it's now, like moving a focus, isn't it? Yeah. Moving a focus, because there's so many things to think about. So there's a, well, the, one of the most classic mindful experiments involves food, and it's really simple. And we can do it with anything. Okay. So um, 
take a raisin. Okay, well, I have a bowl. Amazingly, we have a bowl of yes, raisins. A bowl in front of raisins. Of us. So anyone at home can join in with this. Um, so pick grab up, yourself a raisin. You've, if you've got kids, the, you'll pick, have them everywhere. Pick up the raisin. Look at it. If you can see it in the light, hold it up to the light. And then look how the light shines through the raisin in some areas more than others. So the folds, it's more dense, so it's darker than lighter. It's a bit scorched, this one, so maybe that was in the packaging or maybe not. There's a story behind that. Now start rolling it between your thumb and forefinger and it becomes softer. But then roll it in front of the light and see what happens to the end of it. It just, ch it just changes. I've never so, looked at a raisin like this before no, in this but, much depth. But those creases, those creases change in the light. I can feel the raisin softening as I'm rolling it. Yeah. And f now turn your attention to the feeling on your forefinger and thumb when you're rolling the raisin. That your thumb and forefinger don't exactly feel the same with the same raisin. It's just different. It's rolling it. But without judgment, you're just going, oh yeah, I've never thought about that before. Now, I could drag this out for... And I'm going to send you guys all to sleep. Okay, drag it out for a long time. So now, move up towards your mouth and then anticipate what it might smell like and then smell it. Huh. I've never smelled a raisin before. It's a good smell, isn't it? It smells like Christmas. It's not, yeah. And then, <clears throat> as you put it into your mouth, put it onto your lips, is the feeling on your top and bottom lips slightly different? And then... This is amazing. I hope you're trying this at home. It's really good. Put it between your teeth and feel the texture between your teeth and you can hear the sound as you crunch the raisin. I can really feel it on my teeth now. I'm really thinking about it. So like inside your ears and then sweetness comes, but then use your tongue to roll it around your mouth. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm really trying to keep it going. And then the flavour starts to come out. Sweetness is there, some acidity there. And then if you put a story behind it, some farmer has done all that work to grow those raisins. So there, so one little raisin becomes more fulfilling. So we talk about a food shortage. The food shortage, if we can value, and we can't do it every time we eat, and it's not a judgmental comment, at all. But if we can do this every now and then, it can be a bit of fast food, it can be a Pret-a-Manger sandwich, it can be a, a Mars bar. But if we just do it every now and then, we start eating less and enjoying more and valuing more. It's amazing. It's it's quite weirdly emotional when you do it. It is. It is. Never, uh, and you know that thing you say about... Um, you don't need as many. Normally, I'd take 10 in my hand, yeah. bung in my mouth, eat them. I wouldn't even and move on. think. And it wouldn't fill me up. Where suddenly that, I feel my mouth feels coated in it. I yeah. feel inside like I've actually experienced something. Yeah, you've had a fairy tale with, with the food. And the when you said about the grower, I'm thinking, well, I think about the rain on the grapes. And, a, and I yeah. have to say, I'm not the most insightful thinker when it comes to these kind of things. But suddenly that has almost opened a little trap door. And I'm like, gosh, this yeah. is... And we, and we think... We think that unless you eat all of your plate of food, you haven't enjoyed it. In fact, maybe one mouthful is all enough. One mouthful is enough. Not only enough, but I enjoyed it so much, I don't need to eat any more. This is really interesting then. So this is, not, this is about being 
not being full, but f- I don't know what the word is. But you know, fulfilled. This, fulfilled. There you go. It's not being full. It's being fulfilled. It's nourished. Is this why if I go to a, a, when I go to a nice restaurant, you know, people, we all say the same thing, which is, oh, that's never going to fill me up. And there's a little thing on the plate. Now, I appreciate the, that it's richer yeah, and there's yeah. lots more to yeah. it. But always when it comes, I'm like, oh, gosh, that's never going to fill me up. And I eat it. And I'm, afterwards, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I'm completely stuffed now. But I bet it's because I'm paying more money for that. So I'm, I, and I'm there. And I'm, I know I've gone out for a nice dinner. And I'm yeah. really focused on it. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, I can taste this. And this is lovely. The interesting thing about this from a food perspective is that I think nowadays we're quite barraged with a lot of people who are trying to sell us on sort of origins of food and things like that. Now, I understand that, but sometimes that almost makes you slightly um, immune to really really looking at the food. And what you're saying, if I'm right, is it doesn't, those raisins aren't, you haven't gone and got some super expensive. No, this, is, this is a local casino supermarket. I don't even know the pa- plastic packet of bog standard raisins. But the ex- enjoyment of that, and then if you told me that I'd been hand-rolled on some French farmer's leg, I would, I would have bought it because I spent more time paying attention to it. And that's the beauty of human beings, imagination. Being able to, being able to imagine things that don't exist, we created fairy tales, stories, and shared beliefs, which all became our reality and makes us quite unique in that respect. Heston, amazing. I think anyone out there, if you want to go and immerse yourself in, what would you call it? Mind, mindfulness. Mindfulness. Mindful eating almost, isn't it? Yeah, well, mindfulness in general, because if you go for a walk in the woods and feel the weight of your feet under the, under the, under, under the, the, the path you're walking on or the crunch of the twigs underfoot or the noise of the birds tweeting or the smell of cut grass or the air on your skin, all that stuff is mindfulness. It's just your awareness of your own connection with the moment of the world that you're in. Love it. Heston, thank you for this journey into your mind, into understanding food. I can genuinely say after spending 10 podcasts in your company, I, I have changed my, my senses towards food. I've changed how I appreciate it. And, uh, and I never thought I'd value a raising quite as much as I valued that one. You wait <laughs> to the next load. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you to everyone out there listening to this. We have enjoyed having your company on this. I hope you've been joining in and rubbing your faces with brooms and uh, drinking wine with banging tablecloths and all sorts of things uh it's been a pleasure having having your company thank you not only for listening but engaging and most importantly of all owning your own imagination your own questioning inquisitiveness and adventure and being part of this journey because there's jay and i sitting here hoity-toity behind our microphones but without without all of you listening and doing all all of what you've done this couldn't happen thank you ever so much keep sending in all your pictures of you doing these experiments let us know how you get on uh but for now for this series of bottom tips we'll be back very soon but for now it's time for you to say goodbye heston goodbye heston i actually want to say goodbye jay i might actually say goodbye jayston (laughs) goodbye heston Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get yours from. And remember, if you like it, please rate, review, and get in there and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>